Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. This is a Virgin Media Originals podcast series. Hello and welcome to The Tonight Show. The budget has been delivered. Now comes the fallout. For those concerned with the rising cost of living, this budget will help you. Minister for Public Expenditure Michael McGrath and Sinn Féin's Mairead Farrell are here to debate the figures. Later on, we'll hear from other political parties, economists and journalists. And we also want to hear from the most important people today. That's you. You can get in touch on Twitter on our hashtag TonightVNTV and let us know your opinions on the budget. government has delivered its budget for the year, saying it will help those under the most pressure and plots a course out of the COVID pandemic. But the opposition are singing a very different tune, calling the government out of touch and out of ideas. Among the many announcements, the state pension will go up by five euro a week. The weekly fuel allowance will rise by a fiver. But carbon tax is increasing and is set to add more than one euro 20 to a tank of petrol and close to one euro 50 for a fill of diesel. Well, here to debate is Minister for Public Expenditure, Michael McGrath and Sinn Féin's Mairead Farrell. Um, you're both very welcome along tonight. Thank if you. I can come to you first, Minister, this is a budget that appears big on small measures right across the board in your spend. When you were framing it, was there a big idea that you had in mind among the coalition parties? Uh, absolutely. The big idea was to support economic and social recovery. And we're not coming out of COVID. It's still here, unfortunately, as we know. But we certainly expect, because of the hugely successful vaccination programme, that we are through the worst of it. And over the last 18 months, we have provided an exceptional level of support for the Irish economy. Uh, because of that, we have seen a really strong rebound in recent months, which we welcome. That has been very beneficial for the public finances overall. We also recognise that a lot of damage was done across society over the last 18 months. And that's why we have prioritised investment in public services, key public services, in housing and healthcare, uh, in childcare, for example. Uh, and all of that is part of an overall plan that the government has to bring our public finances to a safe place. And we're making real progress in that regard. And we believe that we can combine that progress with making tangible improvements in those key services that really matter to people. So that's the overall plan and the overall vision. Uh, there is a bigger picture. You know, we did have a deficit last year of over 18 billion euro. It was projected to be 20 billion this year, thankfully, because of it the stronger... It wasn't that now, it was a lot less. Uh, absolutely, and that's a good thing. Uh, but it will still be 13 billion. And we now have a plan 
to reduce that and we will achieve that by bringing about the recovery of our economy. Mm. The recovery has been really strong. We're seeing thousands of people return to work now. The number of people in DUP falling well below 100,000, for example, and the outlook is positive. And this will allow us to make steady incremental improvements in key public services and move our in finances that, to a good that, place. Was there scope, do you think, more wriggle room to do that little bit more when we're talking about that deficit that wasn't as bad as you had anticipated? Um, given the challenges that are there, given issues like childcare you mentioned, like housing, sure. uh, and accusations that you're just tinkering around the edges on this one, you could have gone a lot further. Well, you'd always like to do more, but there is a reality here. We have a very large national debt as a country. It will be close to €240 billion Euro by the end of this year. We want to stop as quickly as possible adding to that debt. And I think we owe it to our children. We owe it to the next generation uh, to hand over the country and the finances uh, in a good condition. And the plan that we have today uh, implemented in this budget is consistent with the overall framework we set out back in July in the Summer Economic Statement. It has been broadly welcomed by the Fiscal Advisory Council and their okay. advice was that to go beyond this would not be prudent. So we have stuck to those parameters and I think when you examine all of the different measures uh, I think what okay. we've done... We will. Yeah, we will. We'll, we'll, we'll look into them a people. bit. But Mairead Farrell, I want to bring you in here today. And that all this afternoon you described uh, the budget as a con job. Why so? Well, look, I suppose what we needed today um, was to see answers to the big questions of the day. And the big questions of the day, as viewers will know, is housing, is healthcare and the cost of living. So what the people who are sitting at home are wondering is when they wake up tomorrow morning, when the sun rises again tomorrow morning, what will it mean for those renters who are paying the highest rents in Europe? There's nothing in the budget for renters. Um, they'll be wondering what will it mean for those, for if their mother or their grandmother falls um, and breaks a hip, what will it mean for them with their waiting lists, will they be on trolleys? We saw the highest um, count in terms of trolleys um, in, since the onset of the beginning, uh, onset of the pandemic yesterday. Um, and what will it mean for the cost of living? What will it actually mean for childcare? We know that um, the um, government are talking about the freezing of fees, but I, I can only speak for, I suppose, um, you know, my generation who are looking to come back, who are looking to start a family, people in their thirties, and they're wondering, you know, um, should they, you know, can they start a family when the cost of childcare? Is so high. Will they be able to uh, continue working? And um, will Granny and Grandad have to mind the children? All those key issues, and I think it's those yeah. big, big issues and big questions of the day that people really what were hoping you do that they would see. What would you do differently? Well, I suppose there's a few things. So first of all, I think what we needed to see was um, large um, capital spend in terms of housing, the actual delivery of affordable um, housing. So what we're seeing in terms of the delivery of afford actual affordable housing is it'll be just over a thousand um, next year. What we're also seeing in terms of rents, what we need to see is in terms of renters who are paying extortionate rents you, we need to see something for them. So what do we need? We need to see a month's rent going back into people's pockets. We need to see a freezing of rents. We need to see a cut in the childcare uh, costs. So that's what needs to be done. OK. Um, all those points, they have been made today by the opposition yep. around the big issues of the day, the crisis that's facing people around housing, when you look at the rental crisis and what people are paying, and around the issue of childcare as well, that it's actually not going far enough. Um, you were shaking your head there. 
is there something on offer for, for renters in this budget? Well, I mean, first of all, when it comes to housing, like this government is bringing in uh, the largest investment in public housing in the history of the state. Like next year, we will build uh, over 9,000 social houses and deliver over 4,000 uh, cost rental and affordable purchase homes. We'll have a national affordable housing scheme for the first time in Ireland in over a decade. And I agree that these are real issues and we need to make progress on them. We will spend uh, four billion euro in public money next year uh, in relation to investment in housing yeah, and I do think because there is a need yes. for progress in that area and this is a top government priority okay. and that's why uh, today in relation to the, the direct capital uh, exchequer increases it got the largest share but as Mairead knows, there is additional capital outside of the okay. exchequer from uh, the Housing Finance Agency, the Land Development Agency, which will supplement the funding that we're putting in directly. So that's just one issue. Okay. But Aside from housing, though, let's talk about rent and what people are paying. And there's nothing in this budget to support renters, but there is tax relief for landlords, isn't there? I think what renters really want to see is greater supply of homes. Uh, they want to see greater availability of rental accommodation. Maybe a ban on rent rises. Uh, well, we have uh, a freeze in real terms uh, in relation to uh, increases not exceeding inflation, which was uh, the policy the government brought in uh, through legislation. We are providing over €700 million Euro directly in rental supports for over 80,000 okay. families next year through the housing assistance payment, the rental accommodation scheme. Uh, and I think what people who are renting want to see, they don't all want to buy, many of them do, but they want to see us deliver a national affordable housing scheme. They want yes. to see us deliver the first home scheme and cost rental scheme and more social housing. And that's what we're doing. But right, they will also benefit from the other range of cost of living measures okay. that we have brought in, in we'll education we'll and transport we'll and childcare. I just want to right respond on that. that I just don't like to speak over or trying to interrupt. <laughs> The reality is this, I mean, what people actually needed to see was a ban on rent increases. I mean, your colleague Pascal Dunne, who even mentioned in his speech today um, about um, inflation rising. So what people actually needed to see was a, was a ban on rent uh, increases. That's a fact. In terms of the actual delivery um, of affordable homes, and look, we hear all these things in relation to, um, you know, last year, the glossy thing and the big figures were all about um, healthcare. And I remember sitting here um, with you, Minister, and we were talking about all these additional beds that we were going to see in our hospitals, yet at this very moment in time, yesterday we had over four, almost 500 people on hospital trolley waiting uh, on hospital trolleys. Yeah. So where did those beds come? Can I, I just want to finish the point. Sure. And then now you're saying the same in relation to housing, but what will actually be built, you know, um, and will it actually be affordable? I don't think so. I don't believe that from this um, budget that that is what's going to happen. The people who are sitting at home or there's people who are renting, paying extortionate rents because they've no other option. There's people who are in their parents' box room as couples trying to save, unable to do so, unable to buy their, uh, buy their own home. They need um, clear action in relation to this. But we needed, we needed to yeah, see something for renters. We absolutely did. If I may, like, that is happening. That's why we're bringing in the largest house building public capital investment in the history of our state. Over 9,000 public homes next year will be built. The funding is provided. I mean, in fairness, we did have the shutdown of the construction sector 
for a large part of this year and indeed last year and that did impact on uh, supply and the, the, the completion of the programme but the funding is there and it is about delivery now that's where our focus has to be uh, to provide both okay. more, more private homes oh, I, more what? social affordable cost okay. rental and that's what the government is absolutely committed I want to, to doing. Ask, I want to ask you about, Minister um, and all of this refers back to the cost of living and what people are paying to get through their days um, and there is a five euro increase in um, you know, the pension, there's five-year increase for social welfare recipients. Given the inflation we're seeing, will that make a difference to people? Won't one cancel out the other? Same goes for the fuel allowance and what's being offered there. So someone just, um, you know, tweeted into us, five-year increase in three years for the OAPs is an insult. Gas, ESB, petrol, property tax, carbon tax, all increasing at an alarming rate. Do the government think we can live on air? Look, you'd always love to do more. But, the but you, truth could, you is, could have done more, could well, you? The truth is we brought in a social welfare package of over half a billion euro. And while for, for many people on social welfare, the increase is only five euro, of course you'd like it to be more, but for others, they also get the living alone allowance increase and they get the increase in the fuel allowance. And if you get the three, then it's 13 euro. So we've brought in a range of measures, including improvements in uh, the qualified child dependent allowance, for example, uh, improving the means test for carers allowance, for disability allowance, for the working family payment. So there's quite a wide range of measures there. And you have to look at it in the round. You also have to look at the measures we've brought in in the education sector, improving the SUSE grants, widening the eligibility, um, cheaper public transport for young people, for example, the measures in health, where we're reducing the cost of, of medicines for families to a maximum of €100. Euro. It was €114. Euro. And for many people who are working, uh, there is a reduction in income tax. So you have to take yeah. it in the round. And our, our analysis overall uh, in relation to the impact across society is that those on, on the lowest incomes across our country overall will benefit the okay. most. Do you, agree, no... do you agree with that, those in the lowest incomes will benefit the I, most? I just Maraid. want to start off with the initial question that you asked the Minister in relation to the um, pension and the five-year pen, uh, pension increase. What I've become, uh, what I've noticed more and, <coughs> and more is, is pensioners coming to my clinics who are renting who are who are terribly concerned that they um, won't be able to continue to keep up with the rent that they're paying, who are terribly concerned as to what um, long-term uh, sustainability it'll have staying in the um, in the private rental market, who want um, something outside of that. What um, welfare increases do you think would have been necessary for pensioners and for those welfare recipients this year? Well, we were very clear in terms of um, people on working age pay, um, payments, we would have increased them uh, by €10 euro, and that would have been an approach towards the minimum essential standard of living, which is €252. Euro. So that's what people, um, that's basically the figure that they're saying so that people can stay out of uh, poverty. We can't do that in the in one budget. We would be, have been working towards that. So it would have been a €10 euro increase and it would have been a €5 uh, euro increase in terms of um, the pension to, to, okay. to increase it over that. But it's, it's not just one little approach in terms of what you're going to do. It's looking at the whole society approach. It's looking at all the different costs yes. that people face. And let's face facts, if pensioners are concerned, looking that there's nearly a million people on waiting lists, when they're seeing so many people on trolleys, they don't want to be on a trolley. I remember my granny was on a trolley, and I tell you, nobody in our family was happy knowing that she was in a trolley okay, overnight. Um, you know, someone has commented here, please ask Sinn Féin how much their budget would have cost. 
Well, what we would have done is 1.5 billion um, over what the uh, what the um, government have done. So oh, basically, what where we would that have come done, from? So basically, what we would have done is a few things. So basically, in terms of our actual um, any borrowings would have been specifically in terms of capital. Um, so that's what the ESRI and those um, have said. We would have also had some increases in terms of um, in terms of increase in taxes and those for those Personal who are better tax. off. Um, for those who are on, say, 140,000. Okay. But what I would say is what we need to see here um, very, very clearly is um, a government that is in touch. And at the moment, this government is out of touch and they're not listening to the needs um, of people. And I have to say, um, I, was, I was actually quite disappointed and people will say, oh, you're in opposition, so you're going to obviously have to say that. But there were certain things that I thought was going to happen, things like um, the discretionary fuel um, fund that basically had been kind of in conversation. I thought something like that would have happened for those people who are going to be seeing energy okay. costs rising. Oh, yeah, let okay, the Minister okay, come okay. back in on that. Yeah, well, look, first of all, Sinn Féin were advocating in the lead-up to this budget that we should spend an extra £1.5 billion. Uh, that would have gone well beyond the official advice that the government has received in relation to the prudent management of the public finances. That is just a simple point. Uh, it is but a it, fact. It's billions it, less than what you had thought you were, in terms of the summary economic that, statement, so let's just be clear that on is, that as the, well. The, the advice didn't change irrespective of the improvement in the underlying deficit well, we position. Just to make, just to, for if I could finish the yes, point, it's just a fact Sinn Féin advocated spending one and a half billion euro more uh, than mm -hmm. the government and, and one and a half billion more than the advice that we received. That would have been more borrowed money. That represents an increase in the national debt further on top of an already okay. very high debt. And it puts us at risk. Uh, you raised the issue of, of fuel, for example, and your proposal in relation to fuel uh, is to extend the fuel allowance by two weeks. So that gives somebody 56 euro. Uh, we've increased it by 5 euro, uh, which over the course of the fuel allowance season is 140 euro. Plus, we're giving it for the remainder of this year immediately. We're giving that as well. So, you know, we can get into all the specifics, but uh, the overall thrust of the Sinn Féin submission is, you know, tax anyone who's doing well. And by the that's way, that, that, won't, that won't have an impact on anybody else so, let's in be clear. society, but and then, that's not the case. If you want to put it into those kind of simplistic terms, then what the government is doing is basically saying, let's ignore all the big issues of the day. Let's really actually forget about renters. Let's forget about those people who are true, languishing. Right. On. Well, that's, you've oversimplified that's our submission, true. and I'm oversimplifying well, yours. That's a, a completely misleading characterisation uh, of what the government is doing, and, and I think you know that. Like what we have done here is brought forward a budget that is, first of all, about investment and about public services. So about nine out of every ten euro being made available in this budget is going towards improving okay. public services and investing in the future of the country. Uh, the tax package is a modest tax package overall. That's that is the, designed. That's the 520 million euro in, yeah. in, in tax breaks and for, for that is, that is, uh, Can I just ask you just sure. on that one? Uh, can you simply explain who benefits most from that? So, first of all, there is an improvement in tax credits, both the personal tax credit and the payee tax credit. So anyone with uh, a taxation liability will benefit by €100 Euro to that. Uh, and then the increase in the entry point to the standard rate, which is currently yeah. 35300 Anyone earning above that uh, will gain by an extra €300 Euro yeah. because we have that step effect in our system. We enter into the high rate of marginal tax in this country at a, at a level of income that's way below um, even average I'm industrial sure, earnings. I'm sure you've done the sums on on it. Um, 
And I was reading that it, high earners will see an increase, a net pay of 520 euro, but lower income earners won't benefit to the same extent. So they will get that personal tax credit, they will get the increase in the second band of USC, but that'll bring it to just over 100 euro. Well, I, I don't characterise someone earning 38,000 or 40,000 euro a year as a high earner. But what about David, people who are earning David, underneath that? Yeah, they will benefit from a modest increase in Not the tax the credit. Extent. But I think we have to acknowledge we have one of the most progressive income tax systems in the world where the, the burden of tax that you pay quite rightly and appropriately increases really significantly in line with your income. Okay. The truth is that the burden of income tax uh, is quite low in Ireland uh, at low income levels and it rises dramatically and that's the way it should be. So when you have a system where you enter the margin rate of tax of 40% at such a low level of income at a time when for many people their incomes are rising, mm. then that is in effect, if you do nothing, a tax, a tax like, increase. I mean, I mean, we keep hearing the economy is set off like a rocket and everything is going so well. You would wonder, with that in mind, are those breaks needed or would they be better served elsewhere? For example, if you were to put that into childcare, you may see actually a drop in crash fees rather than, than them being frozen and not looking at freezing them until September of next year. Well, I would make the point that if you do nothing to your income tax system over a number of years, which has been the case in recent years, then in real terms people are paying a lot more tax and more and more of their income will creep into the higher rate of tax, uh, which you know, is not fair and also, in my view, is not positive from an investment point of view into our country. On the issue of childcare, like what we've done here is a step change in relation to the state's approach to childcare. We're investing uh, in 2022 uh, an additional 78 million euros. Is it ambitious enough? It, it is no. absolutely ambitious enough. No. It, because what we're doing here is we're increasing uh, the core funding going into the childcare system. That will for once and for all result in the staff in the early years and the childcare sector being better paid and having better conditions. But and it won't no, kick in. Well, it's important to say that it won't kick in for parents until September of next year. Well, that is because there's a reason in. for that. It's because every year the Department of Children enter into agreements with the childcare providers for the ECCE scheme and for the National Childcare Scheme. Okay. And I, the next season will start in September but we're putting in the money and in the last 18 months we've put in 700 million to childcare under the wage subsidy scheme. It's the only sector in the country that has been excluded from the requirement to have a 30% turnover drop. I think um, one thing, maybe the only thing that we can uh, agree on tonight is that the childcare se sector needs a step change. Do I think this is the step change um, that it needed? I think um, many people working um, in the childcare sector will be glad um, to hear that the childcare sector was even mentioned this year because last year in the budget, um, it, but you didn't mention it. It got I, in more, either than, it got more pages, than a mention now, um, Mairead, in, in fairness. No, in last year's budget, I distinctly recall you actually didn't mention it in either of your speeches. But the point is anyway that um, what we did need to see here um, what we do absolutely need to see is that the people working in the childcare sector um, need to be paid uh, fairly yep. for the work that they do, for the professionals they are. But what parents need to see is they need to see a cut in this. What it's literally locking women out of the workforce, first of all. And second of all, it means that people who are, um, who are paying these huge fees, not to mention crash owners who are actually still struggling to keep their doors open, but these parents who see these huge fees, they did need to see a reduction in terms of the amount that they're spending in terms of childcare. Oh, what and we have they, at the moment is a sector, what we have at the moment is a sector that is hemorrhaging staff we have highly, highly, highly qualified I women that. 
who uh, are not getting paid the money they should be paid Absolutely. for the job that so they do. So you're saying, well, Mr. We're, we're, short term, no change on it. We're but, going to fix but that. Long term, we, are, we have a plan. We are bringing in improvements in the national childcare scheme that extend the universal subsidy to children uh, in childcare up to the age of 15. Okay. And in a full year, what we're doing here represents about 200 million euro of investment okay. in childcare. It will but make a real difference with to that, the staff, to the providers, it's all and about to the parents. Choices at the end of the day, the choice was not to try and actually reduce the fees for the parents who are sitting at home, who are struggling to, to pay it, who can't pay the rent, you can't could. save for a mortgage and no, can't buy a house. It's very easy to promise. What we're doing is putting not real promising. money in that will support the sector, that okay. will increase availability of places and it will support staff and it will ultimately support parents there, as well. And there we have to leave it. There we have to leave it. Minister Michael McGrath and Mairead Farrell from Sinn Féin, thank you both very much. Coming up next, more reaction on the budget and what it means to you. We will hear from Labour, Fine Gael and the Social Democrats. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavourless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters, May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Welcome back now. We're getting more tweets in on the budget. One person says increasing carbon taxes on the people to heat their homes and drive to work while at the same time giving 90 million euro to aviation, fast tracking data centres and giving countless millions to farmers and claiming it's all for the environment is utter nonsense. Another says please bring back a budget like this to the UK, supporting the worse off in society and with a green agenda. Well I'm joined now by Labour's head, Jed Nash, leader of the, Sh of the Shannon, Fine Gael's Regina Doherty and Social Democrat TD Catherine Murphy. Um, Catherine Murphy, what would the Social Democrats think of this budget in, in, the, in terms of the spend on how it's being spread and who's getting the, the pick of it? Yeah, well, there were lots of, of bits, if you like, and it was announced over the last couple of days. Um, for example, if we look at the taxation measure, the 500 million, um, it you know, the people who will gain most from that will be people who will be better off. There will be people, for example, somebody on 25,000 will end up with a euro uh, a week better off uh, as a result of that measure, but somebody on 100,000 would end up nine euro better off. So I would say that that, that would be one of the concerns <coughs> in relation to that being regressive. Um, 
I know there were things, and I heard the minister talking about 13 euro for pensioners, but pensioners are not fools, and they will know that uh, it's five euros for the core rate, and um, there's a five, five euro for, uh, obviously, fuel allowance. That'll be for 28 weeks. And then if you're living alone, you get three euros. But that would be a, a small, it would be a smaller percentage of pensioners. It really doesn't actually, when you look at the, you know, there hasn't been an increase since 2019. So essentially, inflation really uh, wipes that out, if you like. Um, so, uh, you know, I, I think it's important that we're, we're honest with people about what, in fact, uh, the budget means to people. And I, I think a lot was talked about in relation to the cost of living. But in actual fact, if you look at, uh, you know, we, we're now in a, at a point where we're starting to see inflation again. Uh, we know that there's a fuel... Uh, price shock. It's going to be very expensive in the next year. And it's, it's, it's actually very difficult to see how this really addresses the issue around the cost of living. And that's not even to talk about rents, which are really uh, the, the big gap yeah. in this budget. And I knew this was high on the agenda, the inflation, the cost of living coming to bear on all of this, Regina Doherty. Um, and yet people say that five euro a week, like it doesn't go, well, what will it cover? What, how will it help people? won't help at all, will it? I think what's important to say is, is that um, the budget wasn't just to address the cost of living. It was certainly part of it. A big part of it. Yeah, well, the 4.7 billion euros issues. that was announced today that we plan to spend in the next year of taxpayers' money was to do a couple of things. It was to try and recover from the worst 18 months that the country and probably the world has been through. So it was to try and continue to support people who are trying to recover from COVID. It was to restore the public services that have been interrupted um, or affected by COVID in the last 18 months and to absolutely restore public finances and restore confidence in the fact that we now have to get to grips with the fact that we borrowed an awful lot of money over the last couple of years and it was the right thing to do and it was a time to be generous but now it's to try and get back onto track to make sure that we balance our but budget. we needed to be prudent. Well, we needed to try and do all of the three of those things. And I think we did it. Um, and I think we did it in the correct manner. So when you look at the breakdown of the 4.2 billion euro spend versus the 500 million tax package that was done, it's the right balance. And I actually I disagree uh, with Catherine. The people who are earning 35 and 45 grand a year, which is far from wealthy um, and a, a high wage, are the people that will benefit the most. And then when you look at the 4.2 billion, it needs to be invested in our health service, in our educational services, in our transport system, okay. in the green economy, and in childcare, and I think that spread was done well today. So. Okay, the spread was done well, Jed Nash. Uh, certainly not. Um, I think today actually will be remembered for a lot of bad choices that were made um, by the government with the resources that are available. Uh, now, the Labour Party would have generated additional resources, which the government decided not to, from introducing some uh, more taxes on wealth, taxes on assets. Uh, Would you be so similar to Sinn Féin in that view? Would that be the, the, the wealth tax that they've been... Uh, yeah, uh, well, we, we've actually... We, we've asked the Department of Finance for the last two years to um, design and develop um, a series of discrete taxes on assets. Not on income, but on assets. They can do this elsewhere across the European Union, countries we like to compare ourselves against, to generate more revenue, not from you know, productive enterprise, but from assets often that people hand down from generation to generation to spend a little bit more. Some of the bad choices made today, I think, include the fact that 520 million was spent in tax cuts that people don't necessarily want. The real benefit um, from uh, 
using the money that we have to spend on public services, an additional 520 million on public services would have been, for example, to introduce free GP care to all children under 18 at a cost of about 80 million. Yeah, you you know, as it stands at the moment, it's going to take about 54 years to get to the point on yeah. this kind of glacial pace of increase. After six years, you know, we introduced free GP right. care for the under sixes back in 2015. This is the first increase in six years. At this rate of increase, it's going to be 54 years before all children, all under 18s are covered for free universal yeah, GP Yeah, I know that. Care. And I know it's something Social Democrats have said as well. GPs have come out and said, you know, even bring it to under eights, that they're already under such pressure that this is something they can't, they're going to really have trouble doing and that promises like this shouldn't be made because they're really hard to deliver on. I think it's important that the that changes are done in conjunction with the people who deliver the services. No two ways about that. But there have been commitments given, um, even in the last few years, that it would go to twelve. And I think you know, I, I think that I mean that is. That should be good public policy that you would do that. But I think there are other things, for example, that, you know, if you're talking about public services, that you can make a really meaningful difference. For example, if you were uh, to have totally free um, primary and secondary education, that would cost you 260 million. Now, when you look at the, in its totality, when you start looking at, you know, the, uh, you know, how difficult it is that comes to July and August every year, that's the kind of thing that can really make a difference. That increase um, isn't there in the back, back, to, back to school um, allowance um, for parents who are struggling? A 10 euro increase, is that right? Yeah. I, I, to be honest with you, the back to education allowance increases every single year significantly because the cost of returning well, to school. It? And look, it's an um, argument that's being going. made about this. This, had, this budget had the opportunity to make a big impact in either the area of childcare, education and really make a statement from the coalition and it failed to do that. I don't think so. I think it made an impact in nearly every single department and so what we'd be having is a different conversation if we'd taken the four billion and spent it on one thing. What we needed to do was to address the deficit of beds and staff to manage those beds in the healthcare system, the change management in the healthcare system. We needed to address the additional resources that went into the educational system, all of the extra SNAs, 1200, all of the extra resource teachers to assert um, a response to the fact that we have so many children with additional <coughs> special educational needs and that needs to be resourced. And we look at transport, Metrolink, bus connects. Sure, uh, Metrolink is tw that's 2034. No, but sure, it needs to be financed now. When the application is made for the planning permission oh, next year, it needs to be financed right now. Off the agenda. And, and, and so like all these things cost money and they can't be written off A little bit for everything. Now, one of the things that that did come up and that was received well was around. Um, free contraception for 17 to 25 year olds. I take it that's something that would be welcomed right across the board. Um, do you think it should have been, it was just, it's just for women. Do you think it should be um, for men as well? It should be extended beyond that? What would Labour think of that? Of course, yeah. I mean, this is something that we've been discussing for a long number of years. Um, and like to welcome as well, the commitment around you know, free sanitary products you know, to address the issue of period poverty. Uh, a pioneering campaign first um, um, uh, espoused by my colleague, uh, Senator Rebecca, uh, Moynihan, and that's really, really welcome. Of course, it should be said, it's very difficult to draw a line in the sand at a particular age. Um, you know, 25 plus, absolutely, of course, you know. Um, and that, 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 that is really, really important. Uh, very important initiative and something that we would like to see um, absolutely roll out as part of a wider um, uh, reproductive health campaign across the health service and wider investment in uh, slaughter care and the development of a real Irish national health service. We haven't seen even the early stages of development of a real, you know, uh, single tier 
Irish National Health Service that people would recognise. We had a taster of that at the start of COVID when we had to procure uh, several hundred beds in private hospitals because we wanted to address the gaps. The government needed to address the gaps in the health service. And a better use of the money available today would have been to invest more in a health service, more in childcare, more in free GP uh, care, because that's where the real benefit is. That's, a real, that's where the real pandemic dividend would be for and working spend people. More in order not, to not, do that. Not, not tax increases that are only going to be worth a five or eight euros to the average uh, to, to, to the average worker. The overriding argument that's always been there around that, and we heard it again from Michael McGrath, is that we have to, we have that deficit that we need to address, and we don't want to go spending big and then for it all this burden um, to fall on another generation of debt. Um, would you buy into that at all, Catherine? It depends how you spend the money. And I think, for example, it's going to be very difficult in uh, 15 or 20 years' time to uh, tell a 20-year-old that, um, that essentially we allowed the planet to burn because uh, we had to comply with the fiscal rules. It depends how you spend it. We have some... There, there has to be money spent that is an investment, for example, on climate to reach mm. our targets. What about the carbon taxes? Would you have been in favour then of, the, of, of them rolling out as they are at what midnight? We, what, we were in what we were in favour of is the totality of the carbon tax being ring-fenced uh, in order that you can really do big initiatives like retrofitting homes. We can see the price shock, for example, in relation to the increases in, in fuel prices. The best way to avoid those kind of shocks is to make sure that people's homes are properly insulated. Yeah. And that requires, that. That requires, it requires a big initiative, including... Like a retrofit scheme. A, a, quick, a big retrofit scheme. A quick one on that. Who's going to build 30,000 and retrofit 22,000 homes? A year. So Who's going to do that? It's clear we do have a problem with shortage of labour supply in the building industry, which is why we need to encourage people to come back that left within the last 10 years. But just let me um, contradict uh, Catherine on something. There isn't a problem with borrowing. The problem is, is that we will not borrow for current spending. We will only borrow for capital spending. Investment in infrastructure and much needed public services in this country is exactly what we will borrow. And whether they're green, whether they're transport, whether they're healthcare, whether they're educational, that's the investment in the public services and in the future delivery for the 20 year olds of the future in this country, that's where we will borrow, but not for current spending. That's ludicrous. And it makes no the, sense to anybody. What about the capacity review, for example, in the disability services? Okay. That's going to require a huge amount of money. It is. Um, yeah. And, and we're, we should be ashamed at the, uh, the kind of services, the threadbare services that are available. That was announced to great fanfare in July, and it really didn't feature in the budget at all. OK, we'll I have to leave it there, I'm afraid. My thanks to Jed Nash, Regina Doherty and Catherine Murphy, who joined us tonight. Lots more coming up on the budget after the break. And we'll take a look at Brexit, as the UK says it wants a brand new Northern Irish protocol. Pascal Donoghue says he's conscious of the cost of living pressures that people have been under in the last year and that this is a budget that delivers. The opposition are saying the complete opposite. So where does the truth lie? Well, joining me for more is John Lee, executive editor of the Daily Mail Group and economist Dan O'Brien. You're both very welcome along. Come to you first, John. The economy's on the rebound. It's uh, taken off like a rocket, as they say. Uh, as a post-lockdown budget, how do you think it fared? Well, the budget is a difficult one nowadays to to form part of a, 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 a counter-attack on, on a populist party that is Sinn Féin. When you see Sinn Féin doing so well in the last election and doing so well in the polls, one, one would probably need some kind of paradigm-shifting budget that is going to rebuff their 
rather imprecise responses today, I guess. But that's not really possible with the budget anymore due to rules that Dan might expand on better than I. Uh, the, the EU have introduced on, on government spending. The, the, there, there isn't that possibility to have that big giveaway. So there are some very eye-catching uh, measures in it today. To my eyes, probably a little more sociologically um, impactful than financially. You have the decision to give, um, to give free contraceptive to women between the age of 17 and, 20, and 25. You have a, an out, a, a rollout of free uh, menstrual products, that, that kind of thing. But for a big hit, for instance, in the area of childcare, I don't see that. We were, it was flagged um, that we might get 100 million, which was rather uh, um, dull enough. But I think, I, think, I think they only got about 78 million in a full, in a full package. There isn't that hit. If you're talking around this evening, as it was in Leinster House, people are giving lip service to the, to the quality of the budget if they're on the government benches, but I don't think they quite believe it. I don't believe it's going to save. I don't believe it's going to save them in the next general election right now. This budget. But yeah. Let's see the ones coming after it. Dan, childcare was a big one, and uh, to use that cliche, missed opportunity. But that there may have been an option there to do a lot more. Like parents looking on tonight will say, "Well, we're not we're not seeing a, a drop in creche fees. We're not seeing the real cuts that we need when we're spending a mortgage and then some um, to put the child into childcare so the parents can get back to work." Um, w would you say that there was more scope there? The government could have done more given where we're at. Okay, well, I'd kind of say that last year when COVID struck, the government threw the kitchen sink at it, and it was right to do that. Now, the Irish government maybe threw two kitchen sinks at it because we increased our public spending here more than nearly any other country. That is not going to be reversed. So there's been a huge increase in spending. And one of the sort of maybe things that, uh, purely from an economic perspective, that surprised me slightly today, that... Over the past six months, there have been a lot of new promises and a lot of new things, commitments entered into. But there wasn't a big increase in the amount the government plans on spending next year compared to six months ago. So I was quite surprised by that and in some ways mildly reassured if those numbers turn out to be correct because, you know, we've added a huge amount to our public debt to get through this pandemic, which was a right, the correct thing to do. But at the same time, there are big risks in every direction here, we've talked about that you said earlier on about uh, inflation risks. So we could have a too hot economy and too much inflation. On the other side, we could have a slump in the economy if the damaging effects of the pandemic uh, seep through into more business closures. So there's all sorts of risks out there. And it's a, you know, just so extremely uncertain, even to articulated, I, I, I'm struggling in, in all my career to, to get across the range of different kind of risks there are out there. Okay, but then we're cutting off um, the supports. Now, the, the support scheme is going on for businesses. That's the wage subsidy scheme is going to go into next year. Um, you think at that point it's right to, to cut it and, and just see who can survive in this economy? Well, already most countries have tapered, tapered back those supports. So today's announcement that the wage subsidy scheme would continue well into next year was somewhat surprising. It's very costly. Uh, it was extremely important for it to save businesses and jobs in the early part of the pandemic. But is it the right thing to keep it going once the pandemic, or at least the, the lockdown, is over? Because subsidising companies to keep people at work when maybe those jobs are not going to last. It may be better to allow people move out of areas in businesses that aren't going to survive into ones that are looking for people now. And there, there, you know, there are many businesses looking for employees now. 
The big issues that Sinn Féin are picking holes at are around housing, that not enough is being done there, John. And the National Development Plan came in for an awful lot of criticism. Is, are these areas that the government really needs to look at now in order of getting it right uh, and staving off that criticism? It, um, you see, we're, we, we had an we a, a epoch-changing general election last time when you see the, the votes that Sinn Féin had. To, to tackle that and to tackle those criticisms that some of them legitimate, um, that they have, something that needs to happen quickly. Now, housing for all was the big, there were three planks this, this autumn of how the government are going to respond to Sinn Féin, Sinn Féin's advances. Um, they were housing for all, the national development plan and the budget. Housing for all, Already, we're seeing that there are going to be huge problems in delivering many of the commitments in that. Primarily, primarily down to maybe unforeseen problems to do with raw materials and, and workers. Uh, but I think, really, with what we've seen in the past, a lot of it's unrealistic. The National Development Plan has decided, I remember being briefed the weekend before it came out, that they were taking a new adult approach, which would not give budgets and not give... Um, and, and no not give no, and not no, give deadlines. No Dan and I were talking about builders before we came in on a personal level. Try that with a builder. So it, it, you can see that Sinn Féin are hitting the mark because they, they, they're looking at some of the projected fightbacks electorally that are coming from the government and they don't seem, and they don't seem realistic. And we aren't getting a feeling that they are realistic. Do you think, though, um, that the government missed a trick with only offering five euro to pensioners and to social welfare recipients when we talk about this cost of living um, uh, and the rate of inflation and, you know, living today and rents and everything else and what it's costing people and where people are really fe feeling the squeeze, they could have gone further in that regard and that would have been a safe and arguably prudent measure. Well, look, I, I, you know, I really worry we're back into sort of auction politics where government is promising that it can answer everyone's problems and everything that's wrong in everyone's life can be solved by more government spending. Um, you know, we, as I say, we have massively increased the amount of spending since the pandemic, and that's not going down. You know, there are limits to how much money government can borrow to answer or tr even try and answer all of these problems. So I, I just think we need to maybe step back and say, you know, government is not the answer. More government spending is not the answer to every single problem we have. Okay, well, the issue of Brexit has hung over the last number of budgets. And while Pascal Donoghue and Michael McGraw were speaking today, the UK's Brexit minister was proposing plans to replace the Northern Ireland Protocol. Well, earlier I spoke to Sky News correspondent Enda Brady and asked him about that proposal. Well, he was in Portugal, and this is the third speech we've had from Lord Frost now in the space of a month, and it's all geared towards sorting out changes to the Northern Ireland Protocol. Quite frankly, the Westminster government, the Johnson government, don't like it. It's not working for them. And I think critics, if you were looking at it with a critical eye, you would just say, well, Lord Frost was involved in designing it, implementing it, and he must have understood that it would create these various different issues, supply chain problems, increased costs in Northern Ireland, reduced consumer choice in Northern Ireland. All of these issues have been at play and they now want the agreement changed. And it, it's really interesting. There's been a flurry of speeches, briefings, statements from number 10, Lord Frost upping the ante, lots of rhetoric. Um, he seems to be maybe nudging towards an olive branch from the European Union. And we understand that tomorrow, Maro Sefcovic, who's the EU Brexit commissioner, is going to speak. And there may be an olive branch 
that will result in maybe 50% of those customs checks going away. Will that be enough to keep the Johnson government and Lord Frost happy? Remains to be seen, but yet another significant speech today railing against a protocol that Lord Frost personally helped design. We'll have to see what happens there. And elsewhere, back in Britain, Enda, a new report out today with stinging criticism for the government's initial COVID response, calling it the country's worst public health failure. So this was a scathing report, really. It's 151 pages long. It has been put together, led by two former Conservative ministers, even though it is a cross-party uh, report, and it doesn't pull any punches. So it's the first kind of investigative look we've had, the first forensic dive down into how the UK government responded to the pandemic. And it's not good reading if you're a Johnson minister or indeed the prime minister here himself. There will be a full public inquiry in spring next year about the UK's handling of the COVID pandemic. But in short, uh, this report criticises pretty much everything. It points out that the UK was one of the first countries in the world to develop a test for COVID um, way back at the start of the pandemic. But they squandered that lead and they just converted it into almost a state of permanent crisis. Issues with PPE, there wasn't enough of it care homes, all of the deaths there, um, one thing after another. So it's really quite a damning report. And the victims' families, remember, there are 150,000 victims of COVID-19 across the UK. Uh, victims' families representatives today describing this report as a slap in the face. OK, Enda Brady of Sky News, thanks for joining us tonight. And John Lee and Dan O'Brien are still with me. Um, and Dan, when it comes to just referring back to, but we're all about the COVID problems in the UK, but referring back to what's happening with the protocol and that speech that was made by David Frost in Lisbon today, really upping the ante ahead of the EU's proposals um, to end this impasse over, over what's happening on, on trade between the two islands. Um, where can it go to from here? And what's it mean for us? Okay, well, I, I was in a minority of thinking the British would never swallow the idea of taking Northern Ireland out of their market, uh, because it is a big deal. And Boris Johnson seemed to have proved me wrong on that, but now it looks like the British are spitting this back up again. Uh, if they do spit it back up and the protocol, they, they, don't, they refuse to implement the protocol, then there's a really big issue for us in the South here in terms of where is the border going to go? Is it going to be on this island? Are we going to impose checks on the southern side of the border? Or are the French and the Dutch and the Belgians going to start checking stuff that comes from, from here? And then Ireland's position within the single market uh, comes into question, which would be economically disastrous. So again, more, more risks, unfortunately. Uh, you know, just a, yet another thing to, to worry about. Yeah, more risks and more uncertainty. And we saw that Twitter spat over the weekend that Simon Coveney engaged in with David Frost over this very matter, saying we can only go so far with this um, and where to from here. But it is posing a real political problem, isn't it, for us here? As Simon Coveney betrays the first rule of Twitter, no, don't get involved in a Twitter spat because they are rather futile, especially at weekends because it completely ruins your weekend. But Ender Brady kept referring to the fact that David Frost was um, um, personally invested in a lot of these negotiations, but he's not the boss and there is a new boss and he, uh, Boris Johnson has decided, I, I would have thought from externally, and I'm not, I'm not British, that this wasn't a huge political issue in Britain, but it clearly is for Boris Johnson. He's decided it is, so it's not going to end. OK, that's it from us. Our programme is available as a podcast. Our next news is on Ireland AM tomorrow morning. From all the late team here, good night. Take care.
is a Virgin Media Originals podcast series. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. 